On today's episode of How Do You Shoot That, we have local cinematographer and filmmaker Peter Fowler of Endure Films. With a decade of experience under his belt, Peter's learned a thing or two about production and working with clients and recently jumped headfirst into the Instagram world. Today we talk about building your Instagram, defining your professional worth, and how to maintain the integrity of your personal brand in this crazy digital space. This was a super fun episode for me, and I think you're going to love it too. Now let's go talk story with Peter. So Peter, tell me a little bit of your backstory. How'd you get started with video? Like most of us, it was a hobby. Um, I had a point and shoot, I think it was a Canon digital camera, and it would record, I think, uh, 30 seconds at a time. It was just a hobby, and I was just playing around with my friends, making fun little videos here and there, and started going to the University of YouTube, learning a lot. friend said, hey, would you shoot my wedding um, for free 99 Out there, we've experienced that. And then, you know, you just start learning and learning, and next thing you know, it, you start trying to figure out your worth, your value, and here I am. I don't know if that's a good backstory. <laughs> Yeah. So when did you know that video was something that you wanted to do? Like, how did you take that step from free 99 and decide to venture off and say, I think this could be a viable business opportunity for me? So the question was, when did I kind of realize that I could could make money? So it it turned maybe from a hobby into something that you wanted to pursue as a career. Right. I think a lot of it obviously had to do with the encouragement that I got from family and friends. You know, when you when you say, hey, you know, mom, look at this artwork, and then, yeah, honey, that's great, and then your friend's like, you you know, you should, you shouldn't, you know, quit your day job, that's when you, you know, realize, like, okay, well, maybe I'm good at this, um, and you get confidence, and then, so, as that, that happened, obviously, with my videos, um, I, you know, I wasn't making, um, feature films or anything, but just little clips here and there that I would edit together, and, and, um, sh- you know, show it at the end of the of the day in front of my friends or my family and you know they're all clapping and laughing and you know you get this confident boost like wow okay I'm the next Steven Spielberg yeah so I think obviously the confidence and the encouragement uh, all that you know when it's thrown at you you start to uh, realize okay maybe I am good at this and so that leads to asking you know other other people and other friends or networking and realizing like okay people are doing this for a living right and and maybe I can do it and so you're you begin that journey of figuring out your worth and through trial and error obviously you do a lot of free free things and you get used a lot and you realize like okay I've been charging super less than the majority of people out there so I don't have a specific time or a day when I realize that but um yeah, through trial and error, I realized that, okay, I can make um, money off of this and I could uh, hopefully start a business. And so that was probably about 10 years ago. So about 10 years ago, uh-huh. y- you got into making videos and photos for other people. Yeah, it started off with my local church that basically said, hey, could you start making our um, weekly update videos or testimony videos you know um and stuff like that and so i i did that for maybe a good two or three years and then 
at one point the pastor of the church said, hey, you know, we can start paying you. Um, would you be okay with this amount? And of course, any amount at that point was like, yes, I'll take it. And so I was on staff for maybe uh, three years. Yeah, and that's when um, I started to understand more how to run a business, how to charge people. I started getting on Craigslist and just, you know, searching every day for people who were looking for either second shooters or, you know, um, for weddings or or, or anything. Um, And so, yeah, I went through a whole season of just finding gigs on Craigslist. It's definitely a viable option these days. There's tons of people looking for video and photo and marketing and and design work on Craigslist. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's crazy. And you graduated from, from that slowly building, I mean... 10 years is a long time to mm-hmm. be doing anything. Mm-hmm. Uh, and what was your progression like? As running the business? Yeah, I mean, or you started, all the, uh, you mentioned you, you started working for somebody who yeah. was paying you to do yeah. video. Mm-hmm. And that started to bleed into some freelance work outside. Yes, yeah. T- tell me about that process. My story was that the pastors changed, I think, um, some of the management and infrastructures infra- infrastructures changed, and I um, basically was forced to make a decision whether to continue on shooting um, for them or uh, try- kind of go solo and freelance more. And so I was basically put in a hard place where I had to quit and go full-time and trying to find gigs you know on my own we all know that struggle it's it's just a hustle and you just have to be constantly on top of your game you can't just sit on your couch and and think that jobs and gigs are going to come to you because they're not right and so I guess my story was finding my worth and trying to understand how to um, charge either hourly or per project you know and I didn't have anybody except for YouTube, really, to teach me how to run a business and how to uh, maintain, you know, my um, skills as as a videographer and as a filmmaker. And so, again, a lot of it was just trial and error and being used and abused and figuring out, like, okay, this is how much I should charge and this is too much. Uh, a lot of it depends on where you live. A lot of it depends on what gear you own, your your knowledge, your actual skills as a filmmaker, you know, um, writing and directing and coming up with an idea. And so I don't know if we're getting off topic, but did that answer the question? <laughs> Maybe? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And, and with that, uh, you, you touch on something that I feel like has been a huge part of our industry it's it's evolving a ton mm-hmm. it used to be an industry and, and still kind of is depending on where you live an industry of specialists right uh, where you can just make a paycheck off of being a cinematographer director of photography um, or just a writer or, or just like a stylist or something and and in these smaller markets like Hawaii you tend to have to wear, wear multiple hats mm-hmm. uh, if you want to run your own company yeah uh, tell me about that process for you, like learning how to direct, learning how to operate as a full-service video production entity. Yeah, I think um, obviously working for the church years ago taught me a lot on how to deal with people. I mean, even down to, uh, you know, scheduling, organizing times like, hey, you need to, you know, can you be here at this time to you know, setting the camera up on a tripod and literally sitting next to it and, and 
and then you're asking the questions you, you don't have the luxury sometimes to have a producer or a director to ask the questions you know when you're interviewing somebody so just you know um old school way of learning things you you know you just figure out like i need to um be friendly to the person first and and get to know them and get them super comfortable in front of the camera because you i you know you learn very quickly if you just say yeah i'm the videographer can you sit here can you answer these questions they're they're going to clam up and they're not going to answer those questions because they don't even know you you know you just met them for the first time or whatnot and so I guess just just learning the old school way of just trying to uh, manage people, how to um, even just come up with a script. You know, you you get an idea from uh, a friend, and and they're like, hey, let's let's do this, and then you show up, and then you know, you're, okay, let's do it, and then they they have no idea or they have no clue. And that's still true today. You know, when you meet up with a client and they ask, you know, hey, let's I have this great idea, let's do this, and then. Um, you know, you're, you're on board, but they really don't know. They don't even know what they want, right? And so um, just simple things of just how to just, you know, pencil and paper. Okay, this is the vision. What's what's the goal? And, and what, what do you want the outcome to be? What's, what's the audience? What's the target audience? What do you want them to walk away with when, when they watch the video? And, and so, so just a lot of figuring out um, how to manage a business i guess it comes with the it comes down to people and it comes down to how do you how do you communicate with them and i think you're right you just have to learn how to wear a lot of hats and down to directing and then managing different shoots and um times and schedules and then you have to be the editor and you have to do all that stuff and so uh, i guess it's a process and i'm still learning definitely um what what does a typical project look like for you from the time that it comes in from a client or something mm-hmm. to the time you actually distribute it? What, what is that workflow like for you? Normally I, I get an email from a couple of sources, whether it's uh, my own personal clients or from other media companies that I work with. And I get a project that tells me all the details of what, you know, all the, my intel, the different locations and the duration of the video and whatnot and then it's just a matter of either meeting up with um the client like a what do you call it like a pre-meeting uh before this before the actual shoot uh, like a free consultation or whatever you want to call it and then just getting the vision down and making sure that we're all on the same page um and then normally what happens is just more emails and i i change my mind i actually really want to do this and then again you kind of have to confirm with him like okay this is this is what we're going to do and then after that it's just a matter of getting the right gear and whether it's renting or or not uh, choosing the location uh showing up to the shoot and do you typically edit your own work too yeah yeah almost 100 percent of the projects that i that i do i edit which is great because you you shoot with the intent of editing right so you you over the years i've learned to um save a lot of storage because um you have purpose in in your shot and you kind of have the shot list in your head and so um yeah you don't really waste time in unnecessary b-roll a lot of the people listen to the show are interested in gear and tech mm-hmm. as we all are unfortunately um what are some of your favorite pieces of gear that you maybe maybe like a couple new pieces that you've just been falling in love with recently yeah or, or just your standard kit definitely um an external monitor that has been super crucial um 
in the past um, year or two to in just realizing how important focus is and exposure and all that you um, with working with DSLRs and smaller cameras you know that little eyepiece just is just too small and just going back and forth um, and making sure because that the LCD monitors are just not the sharpest or the brightest and and so uh, my new favorite external monitor has definitely been the small HD focus um, five inch uh, small little monitor but it has all the tools that you need um, from getting your exposure right from focus assist focus peaking to false color which is an incredible tool to make sure your, exp your exposure is correct um, and then just you know your just brightness of the of the monitor you know it's 800 nits and so you can pretty much see it in bright daylight so I definitely take that um, that never leaves my uh, pelican case and what is what is your typical camera audio setup for for most of the production you do? I do a lot of corporate film, so that includes obviously a lot of interviews. And so I uh, run wireless labs. Um, I use the Rode Filmmakers Kit. Super easy to set up. Has I think eight or nine channels that you can choose from. It's constantly uh, switching um, frequencies, I believe, to find the best uh, uninterrupted um, channels. And so um, that's that's what I've been running now, and it goes directly into your your camera, so you don't have to sync audio and post. Um, and so that's the uh, the audio that I've been currently been using. And which cameras you've been using? Uh, I've been shooting on the Sony a7 III. Um, it has a upgraded um, color science, so the skin tones are a lot better. Battery life is extremely um, has extremely improved compared to the a7s IIs and all the other previous camera models. It's a great full frame camera, super small, lightweight. And you brought in a new toy today. A fancy new lens you've been playing with. Yes. Tell me about that. Yes, that's the uh, new SLR Magic um, Micro Prime Cine. That SLR Magic they announced it in NEB 2018. Great little small camera. It has internal focusing, um, obviously focus and aperture rings. Um, they're all the same size, pretty much the same weight, and so it's perfect for gimbal or just running gun stuff. I haven't done, like I said, super intense testing on it, um, but thus far I've noticed that it's pretty sharp, wide open, and it is a T1.3, um, which is also great because T-stops are always going to be accurate compared to F-stops, and so um, it's definitely my favorite 35mm lens. And it's, uh, it's a true FE mount. So you don't need any adapters yes. or any of that stuff, right? Yes, that is correct. Um, currently, the ones that I own, the the micro primes, I think, are only available in E-mount. It's made um, for 4K capture, so full frame uh, 4K. So I'm excited to see what that baby can produce in the future projects that I might have. And how, how does it compare to some of the Sony glass or EF glass that you're using right now? Just the feel, the weight. Obviously, you know that you're just dealing with a well thought out lens. Uh, obviously it does not have autofocus, um, which might be a deal breaker for some, um, but um, you know, it just, again, just the focus uh, ring is just buttery smooth. Um, and it's, uh, I think it's a 200 degree focus throw. And so 
uh, with traditional style of DSLR lenses, you know, you, it's not going to be accurate every time you rack focus or whatnot. You know, whether you're working with a follow focus or whatnot, you know, you know that you're going to get the the most accurate focus um, when you you nail your spots. And so, yeah, that's probably the biggest difference. How do you find inspiration on some of the different social, whether it's a social media or like travel or like how do you personally find inspiration for the projects you do or things you want to do personally yeah um i actually find a lot of inspiration on um on vimeo um i follow a lot of filmmakers that are just not on youtube and um they're not even big on um on instagram you know they make really high quality amazing um you know short films to commercials just uh, following them and, and seeing their work, you can just tell it's just top-notch, like full-on professional quality that um, you just don't see sometimes on YouTube and, and, and other platforms. Um, so Vimeo is definitely pretty big. Um, there are some Instagram peeps that I follow um, that definitely give me inspiration. But sometimes I'll just watch TV and there's some ads um, and commercials, spots that I see that are shot so well and I don't get that much time to go to the movies but obviously movies are probably the biggest inspirations that I get but yeah definitely vimeo.com so it sounds to me like the content that inspires you is more the content that you want to produce yourself Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah totally versus maybe some of the YouTube channels that that might be building up subscribers and fan Mm -hmm. base that's not really your end goal. So you're you're pushing towards more the creative auteur kind of films. Yeah, um, I've I've noticed it's quite recently this trend of these YouTube creators who are creating great content. Don't get me wrong, they're 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 creating awesome stuff. Um, but uh, a lot of it revolves around a comparison video or uh, unboxing or five tips to be a better filmmaker or uh, how to make these quick transitions and whips and audio sound, all these, you know, great stuff, but you don't really see uh, true creative final products of, of a film or, or, or commercial. Obviously some do do that, but a lot of it is revolves around, you know, tips and tricks and stuff like that, which is, again, I said there's a place for that and it's great. Um, but that doesn't really inspire me to become a better filmmaker. It, it might help me in achieving certain, um, a, a tip might help me to, you know, um, pick a better lens, you know, or uh, do a, a transition, you know. But as far as getting true inspiration, I, I need to see the final product of, of something. Yeah, so I, I find that a lot on Vimeo. Hmm. Awesome. You've also been putting a lot of work into your Instagram. Yes. Uh, tell me about that. What's 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 that growth been for you? When did you get started on Instagram, and and what do you use that platform for? Yeah, Instagram has been a great platform to you know showcase some of my work, but a lot of it obviously revolves around my gear, um, and it's just stills. I, I very rarely do I post a video or a current project that I'm working with. A lot of the times. Um, it's projects that are in-house for other companies, and so I really can't show that on my social media. 
uh, platform, but I've been blessed enough that it's been organic as far as growing. I've never paid or promotion or anything to or paid for followers. I hear people are doing that too. So um, yeah, thankfully I've, I've just been uh, growing organically and naturally. Originally I was taking a lot of photos with just with my phone, but the moment you start shooting with the DSLR and you, you can blur out the background and have this amazing depth of field and you're focused on one gear or whatnot, you know, all of a sudden it makes it very professional and, um, uh, you know, so a lot of people started, t you know, tagging or liking it and, you know, for me I found out that if you start tagging bigger accounts that have way more followers than most of us hoping that they will repost it or whatnot and i realized that is what has helped to get a lot of followers to uh i guess you know people are noticing more about my gear and, and asking questions about you know where'd you get that lens or where'd you get that handle yeah it's definitely uh helped as far as uh reputation you know when somebody asks what's, what's your social media accounts and you know you, you'd show them okay well this is my instagram and this is my vimeo you know they see oh you have a you know such and such followers and all of a sudden that gives the other person the client you know okay this person must be legit but again that's a whole nother avenue that we can go down to and it, it can be a facade and it you know it can't some can be fake so for you instagram has become a marketing tool um, yes and no. Um, I, I think that it gives me a sense of, okay, this guy's legit. Not only does he have gear, but he has a good reputation, I guess you can say. he. Um, and again, you can't really base that off of your followers because, um, again, I follow some amazing filmmakers that, you know, have like 300 followers, but yet their content blows most of us out of the waters, right? So it's not about the followers. But I guess it's, you know, the, the knowledge that you can bring to the picture. It's not just a caption of, um, this is my cool lens, which I tend to lean towards that side. But I've, I've realized that recently, if you give people some good insight on that gear or on, on filmmaking in general, you know, how to run a business or uh, things not to do or not, if you, if you, write about that then you get way more traction and you get way more engagement as far as you know I, I know how you feel and, and yeah that's happened to me too as opposed to an inspirational quote like hashtag lucky we, we live in hawaii <laughs> that yeah. only goes so far yeah how, how long did it take you to get to where you're at now on ig you're at what 20k plus almost no I th uh, i'm at 19 right now but i think it took me about uh, a little over two years two or three years maybe there was point where I was just growing like ridiculously it was like a hundred every couple of days At some point it was a hundred a day it's, it's just again it depended on whether or not those bigger accounts would repost and and talk about my picture or whatnot yeah was there a particular account um, that you were targeting I would pre-write all my hashtags down and I would tag all of the top five biggest camera gear or filmmaking tips and tricks type of uh, account um, that I would want to be a part of or associated with because there's hundreds and hundreds of those out there already and so I would target specific accounts um, film school um, camera gear there's there's all different types I mean there's hundreds right now but back you know about a year and a half ago that's what I was targeting 
and now I've built relationships with those accounts, um, you know, and the people who are actually running it, you know, it's normally it's just one dude that's just running this huge half a million, you know, followers account. And so uh, we would just be friends and, we would con you know, continue to keep in touch and, and ask, hey, where'd you get that gear or how did you do this, blah, blah, blah. And then you build a, fr a friendship and then they would, you know, they, they start following you and they start tagging your pictures even more. That's pretty cool. Yeah. And, and because, not, I don't know if it's because of that, but you've also had the opportunity to do some collaborative projects mm -hmm. for IG with some of these other brands. Mm -hmm. How did you start uh, either approaching companies or having companies approach you to be a part of these, whether they're brand deals or um, sponsored posts? I think that's a space that a lot of creatives want to explore. Yeah, obviously it's kind of like hard calls. You just have to reach out to them. I used to do a lot of Instagram DMs and you just directly message them, but some of these larger accounts like small HD is not just run by one guy, it's, it's run by either a marketing group or an agency sometimes. And so I've learned very fast to just go to their website, find out their contact information. Normally it's info at whatever, and then you just say, hey, can you please um, uh, for this to the marketing department or whatnot and then you just give your pitch you know it's hey I really love your products I've been using them or I've never used your products before but I really want to collaborate with you guys honestly that's how it started even till this day there's some gears and brands that I want to work with and so I reach out to the ones that I again that I want to be associated with I, I definitely at least once a month I'll get you know a random brand or a random company you know just the other day some bluetooth wireless speaker from china wanted to you know me to um, feature their post or or um, make a video for them and so again you you know you want it's kind of like friends you want to hang around with people that have uh, similar interests um, i get a lot of uh, inquiries about clothes like clothing and you know belts and hats but that just I don't feature belts and hats and I don't highlight shoes and stuff like that you know that doesn't help me shoot better but thankfully when you the the benefits of having a lot of followers is that it gives that uh, fake feel that okay this person is 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 uh I don't know he's I guess Instagram famous and he has all these followers and so you know if I tell him you know I'll give you X amount where you repost and where you talk about my website or stuff like that. It's it's interesting. It's be because it is marketing in 2018. Yeah, it is. Uh, it's it's where audiences are mm -hmm. or you know naturally interacting. Yeah. So it feels like a good place to put a product. Uh, it's product placement for individual people's channels, right? Yeah. So if somebody that you um, you you love is endorsing this product, it's going to make people totally. more legitimately interested in that product mm -hmm. line so I, I totally understand why brands want to connect with people yeah. and it's such a cheap way yeah. to get marketing yeah. out there totally um are there any any brands specifically that you've done collaborations with that you've just absolutely loved like they've been an amazing brand to work with yeah rhino obviously has been huge they um we did a big collaboration with their uh, Evo slider. I just reached out to them. and I said hey, you guys are awesome and um, I love your your products and they really helped me to be a better filmmaker and um, You know, can we work something out and so Rhino is definitely one of those those guys that I, I, I love working with and um, 
I worked with uh, Artlist, and they're you know one of the biggest music royalty-free sites that are out there. Yeah, random random stuff. A smaller company called Movo. They they create um, some audio devices and audio shotgun mics and whatnot. But again, it it comes down to you know does that company not only does the gear help you become a better filmmaker but you know is their vision and um their goal does that align with you and for example you i'm not going to promote a a t-shirt you know unless it has to do with camera stuff but yeah that's just something that you need to always ask yourself Hmm. you know yeah it, it it does put another person's brand on top of your brand so if it doesn't align there is this inconsistency mm-hmm. so that's that's a really important takeaway yeah and just the other day i i i bought i think i bought a, a different lens or something and, and the guy the guy message direct message to me and he's like dude i can't believe you bought another lens i just bought this other lens because you bought that lens and i i realized like oh my goodness like you know uh, just a post and just talking about a certain lens you know, influences others so much. And it, it goes both ways. I've definitely bought stuff just because, you know, even with you, you, you made a video about those zoom magnetic, you know, filters things. And then that day, I think I bought some. And so it's the power of influence for sure. You know, and if it's somebody that you trust and somebody that has a good reputation, I'm not going to buy something off of an account that has only two posts and they only have three followers like um it's nothing personal but you know the followers and their posts and their content specifically and what they they address you know it it's it brings a lot of weight to um making good decisions and whether or not you know is this guy really know what he's talking about or is he just blabbing on and blabbing about stuff that has no no meaning and so um it, it was just a, a really good uh, wake up and realization that while like even me talking or posting about hey i bought this light or whatever and i just ordered this off of bnh or whatever and then i i would get like 10 people they'd be like is that is that a really good light like should i buy it and <laughs> it's like what's well, up to you if you really want to buy it but i want it because of these reasons but yeah it's crazy how much instagram and social media can really influence somebody's you know, even choice to purchase something. Yeah, that's pretty powerful. Yeah. Um, and it is also a kuleana or responsibility mm-hmm. of ours to like actually share what we truly uh, feel. Yeah. So lastly, are there any questions that you would want to ask me? Specifically? Yeah, I've never asked this before, but I actually heard this on another podcast. Okay. But I've asked you a lot of questions yeah, today. Yeah. With, is there it's, anything it's that you turn. would, it's yeah, is there now. anything that you would want to ask me? Yeah, there's actually, there's a lot. Um, What are some advices that you would give to a filmmaker that is, has been in the game for a while, but they, they've kind of lost inspiration and they've lost their previous contacts or their clients are kind of moved on to other, other productions, right? And they've moved on to people who are quote unquote better than you and you are um you know you have all this gear you have all this passion um and you just you know um what what would you say to somebody like that who's who's kind of struggling and and but wants to do more i think this question is a a universal one it Mm -hmm. doesn't matter if you're in filmmaking or if you make food for a living um, passion and drive is always something that 
kind of comes and goes. Uh, they say you can only be a filmmaker if you absolutely love it and if you live and, and breathe and think about it at all times of the day. Otherwise, it'll just eat you alive because there's always somebody coming out of film school um, that's better, that's younger, that's willing to do it cheaper. That's That's kind of the competition that we live in. And because video making and art has become such a coveted, career path there's so many more people that want what we're doing mm -hmm. yeah. uh, so with that um my my biggest encouragement to people is and I, I actually learned this from gary vaynerchuk he says if you don't put yourself out of business somebody else will hmm. and that's the truth it's it's constantly thinking about not just new techniques it's not about making prettier pictures it's not about making more beautiful videos because that's easy yeah. Like that's just a technical um, expertise that anybody can learn off of YouTube. It's learning what makes you special. And, and this is what I've, I've talked to a lot of clients about over the past couple of years. When they hire B-Rad Studio, it's because we tell a B-Rad Studio story. Mm -hmm. um, it's different than other filmmakers around town. They'll go to other agencies if they want that specific type of work but they'll come specifically to BRAD for our work. I don't think there's any specific difference between a Lexus or a BMW or a Mercedes. They're all amazing cars, but you buy the brand that you want to associate your, your company with. Yeah. And so building upon that brand, that voice, that style, is something that no other company can compete with because it's uniquely your own. Yeah. And the more you build upon that, I think the more internal value you give your own company and the more you set yourself apart from other people. And I think the trend today is how do I make things that this other person has made in the past? Like we want to copy what other people have done because it feels like it's successful. But all that does is make you the same. And, and unfortunately, in, in a creative space, there's only so much room for sameness. It's, it's more about uniqueness that actually will determine whether a client wants your video product or another person's. So for me, that's been the biggest takeaway for the last couple of years. How do I make my product uniquely my own yep. and that nobody else can replicate? Yep. That's so, so true. And, and you, we see that problem on on youtube specifically of all these young creatives and you know teenagers you know um who because anybody can buy a camera now and they're all basically mimicking each other and one dude might do a, a new fancy transition and all of a sudden there's a hundred tutorials on how to make that so anybody can make it now and w like you said it just becomes uh everybody's just a wannabe in a sense and you're just um replicating somebody something that somebody has already made and then uniqueness is out the door because you lost that awe factor because everybody's creating the same thing um so yeah i totally agree and especially in this career path and environment that we're in um that is what these major companies are are begging for really is like what do you bring to the table that's mm -hmm. different from these hundreds of other production companies that can do the same thing so yeah that's that's awesome that's great advice Brad, thank you. I have another question. Go for it. I want to hire you for a project. What does B-Rad 
bring to the table? What I typically tell people first off is to go check out some of our work and, and just be as critical as you possibly can. Not just with the technique or the camera work or any of that stuff, but what do you take away from the story? And then I'll say, go and check out some of these other companies out there and see how they tell stories. Not that we're better than them, but this is how we do it. Mm. And from there, this is our process. This is how we go about creating a story for your brand. And then from there, I do research on what the brand means to the public and, and to, to them, to, to the client. Because if you can't bring integrity to, to their brand through your marketing piece, you've, you've lost their essence. Mm. And, and a lot of people want to create just beautiful, stunning visuals um, and, and create emotion. But it wouldn't matter if there was a, a Brad logo at the end or an Apple logo at the end or, or whatever it was because you've lost the identity of what that brand stands for. So I tell people, well, what we do is we actually go through, identify what that brand is, some of the key factors for companies, and, and talk about how we can bring that through in creative. And that's, that's super important. So you can actually tell... Uh, this is this is also just what I've heard from other people. You can tell the work that we've done for some of our clients versus what other people have done for mm. that mm. same client. It's because we have a particular stamp of storytelling or, you know, creative yeah. in our work. And I really invest highly in that. Yeah. So it's uniquely a B-Rad piece. Um, and then from there, we, we can discuss what a pre-production um, production and post-production schedule might look like. And then once, once all of those details are identified, we can talk about price, but not until we figured out what the creative is, what the strategy is, how that works with their existing brand and marketing campaigns. Because if you can identify what their primarily, their, their primary problem is, mm. you can help them to create a solution for that. And ultimately it sounds cliche, but we're a solutions company. We're helping to provide a solution for a marketing dilemma that they have. And so if we can be the right solutions company and they like our aesthetic, they like our storytelling methodology, then we're the right solution maker for them. Yeah. And then price is just a factor that they can either say, we, we don't have that much, unfortunately, or we do. And you don't walk into a BMW shop with a budget for a moped. Like, you know what you're getting. Yeah when you come to BRAD as well. Uh, so I don't know, I, I think people think that price is the biggest barrier to entry, but it's really not. Yeah. That's, that's the most beautiful thing about running your own company. You can set prices based on clientele, yeah. uh, based on whether, like how much you actually want to do the project yeah. and if it's the right project for us. So um, you might have to change your name from BRAD Studios to BRAD Solutions. <laughs> That's great. I think you, you, you've obviously touched on all the major components that a solo filmmaker or a production company needs to take into consideration when, when they are meeting with a client. And uh, what do you bring to the table? That's, that's um, a really important question that you need to ask yourself and continually ask yourself because um, the market is ever-changing. People's um, ideas, um, and not only prices, um, but expectations are always changing because it, it's it's unfortunately kind of getting saturated and so how do you set yourself apart right from from the other guys and what can you bring to the mm -hmm. table so that that's really good 
I think um, directing them to your previous work and you know specifically your, your website or a demo reel is is very important and I, I, I have those conversations almost weekly with with people on Instagram asking me you know how do you find work and how do you uh, score gigs and, and whatnot and and the first thing I say is what well, do you have a demo reel do you have proof of what you're talking about you know you're mm-hmm. not gonna show up to a store and say you know I sell these amazing pens but I just don't have them with me right now like you, that's just not realistic and 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 so you need to show proof that you can do what you're 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 saying that you can do and so continually to build that up and so that you, it's not just one video mm-hmm. but people can see okay this person has done multiple projects and they can tell stories in different ways and in creative ways and then obviously the second thing that you touched on is you know being unique you know you you go ahead and, and search other companies and look at their videos right but our videos are different and um, if they can't figure out what's different, then obviously that's when you can sit down with them and, and you can go into detail about what you can provide and what you can do and how you can execute and whatnot. So that's great, man. That's really good. And and I think one trend is to create a montage of your best clips. Mm. And it's great because it's it's nice eye candy. It's, it's very popular. It's trendy. It's beautiful because it's your best moments. Right. But that doesn't give a client a good idea of what they can expect from your product right so you have to have great finished work yeah um kind of like your vimeo reference like if if you don't have an amazing commercial like list of commercial projects that you've produced but you have great little like instagrammy visual bites mm-hmm. it's not something that a client will actually invest in right doing work even even if it is just spec work for for brands that maybe you love that's some of the best ways to like build content for your demo. And, and I, I love telling a story from start to end. And usually montages don't have that. Yeah. It's just eye candy. Yes. Preach. Peter. Yes. Thankful to have you in the studio. Thanks so much for sharing your experience, your story, and, and your heart with, with everybody here on the Hoy Shoots podcast. Thank you so much, Peter. Loved Thank it. You, sir. Appreciate it. And that was Peter Fowler of Endure Films. Be sure to show some love to Peter at Endure Films on IG and Facebook and check out his work at EndureFilms.com. That wraps up this episode, but if you're new to the show and want to hear some of our previous podcasts, you can find them on iTunes or Google Play or on our site at HawaiiShoots.com podcast. We're also on IG at Hawaii underscore Shoots and Twitter and Facebook at Hawaii Shoots. Thank you so much for your support and giving us a listen today. And until next time, aloha and keep shooting. Keep shooting.